Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Epigraph Chapter 4. My name is Jay, and I'm that secret folder you think you hid well on your phone. You know the one. You know. I'm here with Benny, who will be presenting their work in celebration of Pride Month. Take it away, Benny. So the first one I have is called Loving. It's short. I have learned to love from a distance, to have my heart broken too many times from unfaithful eyes, telling me that my love is not what you want. I have learned to love from a distance because seeing your shoulders drop makes a part of my heart break that I didn't know existed, telling me that my support is too much. I have learned to love from a distance because I can see your hands put up a wall between us and I know that I've crossed a line. Because of you, I have learned that my love can be too much, but you will never understand is that my love is unconditional. Who will love if you are hurting? Who will love if you're in anguish? I'm, I want to be the one who loves too much, who loves for the whole world. But you have allowed yourself to be comfortable with the hate you've been handed. You've allowed yourself to be comfortable with the sadness. You've learned to be comfortable with the negativity of your mind. And I want to give you light and hope. But if you need me to love from a distance, I will. This next one is Remember This. Before you take your last breath, remember. Remember the places you have not been, the people you have not met, the music you've not heard. Remember the way your best friend laughed at you the first time they heard you make a joke. Remember the way your mother kissed the top of your head or the way your dad showed you how to ride a bike. Remember the way you chased your friends through the playground like scattered birds. Remember the summers you learned how to play softball, the way your neighbor threw back all the balls you loved on his side of the fence. Remember the day, first day of middle school, when you considered yourself an adult. Remember when you met your best friend in history class, when you both thought that the anger that flowed through both of your veins, you two just had really good resting bitch faces. <laughs> Remember the time you first heard about marching band, seeing colors, hearing music and sync together. Remember the summer spent in the sun, sore from the sunbeams that kissed your skin, promising pain for days to come. Remember the first time you fell in love with that blue-eyed girl who sat behind you. The first time she made your heart swell, you loved the way she said your name. The way it rolled off her tongue in a playful manner. Remember the first time you got drunk and fell over the doorway of your kitchen trying to find water? The way the floor seemed to move away from you and back again? Remember the feeling of driving down the interstate with the roof down? Music masking the sound of the wind roaring past your ears? Screaming lyrics to a song you no longer know the name of? Remember the mornings you woke up earlier than everyone else? just to make breakfast and read outside, to soak in the morning sun. Remember the day Blue-Eyed Girl kissed you for the first time. She'd only come over to bring you cookies, but the only thing you remember tasting is her peppermint chapstick. Remember the nights you cried to your best friend, surrounded by light that reminded you of a distant Saturday night fever. Remember the nights where you screamed until you couldn't breathe anymore. But before you take your last breath, remember... There will always be someone who loves you. This one's called I Miss Who I Was, also known as The Comeback Kid. Years ago, I was a different person. The way I spoke was different, and the people I spoke to were different, and I no longer liked the person that I am. When I spoke, I shouted. I was a mega horn at a protest. A fanfare. Now I speak so no one can hear me. 
because I didn't like my voice through the megaphone, and I didn't want to march to my melody. I miss having words. I spoke at will, words choking me to be released. They flung themselves from my tongue, demanding to be heard, but no one liked the way they sounded. So they cowered behind lost poetry, lost work, lost passions. I miss the brain I used to have. I knew when to say what and how. It used to create color and landscapes and words that people loved. Now it stutters. It mixes letters. It forgets the brain it used to be, the person it, I, used to be. And I miss them. God, I miss them. Thank you so much for sharing. I am so excited. Okay. Hello, everybody. So we are speaking today with, uh, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, Benedict Ophelia? Yes, that was correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, so hi, so I'm here with Benedict Ophelia I'm reading uh, three of their works. And this is also going to be our Pride episode. So welcome. Yay. I'm excited. That's really exciting. <laughs> yes. I am, first of all, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast because I have been wanting to see more of your work since there was a, a time, a few years ago, you showed me a little bit of your writing and I was like, I did, I had no idea that you wrote up until that point. And then I got really excited to see more of what it. What was it? It was like a short story or something. Huh. Yeah. And, and so I wanted to see more, but I, I, I don't know if maybe like our schedules didn't align or something. I just never got to see our anymore. schedules like never really yeah. align. <laughs> so I never got to actually see more of your work until now. And I will definitely say that it's like back then I already thought your work was like it, it was good. I could see room for improvement, but it was definitely good. And now it's like leaps and bounds ahead. It's like, oh, my God, it's like day and night difference. Uh, I am so excited. I'm a terrible writer. <laughs> listen stop no <laughs> so i'm i'm really happy to have you on the podcast uh, i'm really excited that you uh got to share your work today so yay i was really i'm really excited because i remember you talked about the podcast like months ago and i was like i want to do this and i just never got around to it i was like so freaking busy because you had messaged me first actually yes. before like announcing like that that felt really special to me yes. <laughs> i'm like wow okay yeah, I was, um, you were actually one of the first people I thought of because of our schedules not aligning. That was kind of one of the <laughs> main reasons. I was like, I know so many people that write. And I remember when um, I was doing open mics in South Dakota and I remember being like, dang it. I like, I know Benny would probably be here if they could like, you know, make it. Here. There's, a reason. there's actually, there's a, there's actually a reason why I never went to open mics uh mostly because like a lot of the people who were going to these open mics they had only experienced like my earlier stuff oh. and like i i was kind of an i was kind of an asshole back then like i was i was a not a fun person to be around like i was really like i was like attention hungry and i wanted i i begged to be first because like and one of the reasons why I begged to be first is because like if i went first my nerves would settle and i would be able to perform correct i would actually be able to perform my piece and if if people had performed in front of me then like i would have lost all that courage but everyone saw that as a really asshole move and so people just didn't like me when i started doing poetry like others i can pinpoint when i stopped being an asshole at open mics and then everyone still had that had that perception of me post that time and i'm like okay i no longer enjoy doing this 
I will keep everything to myself from now on. Thank you. Well, I'm glad that you are moving past that and and sharing <laughs> it. Yeah. First of all, it's a really big thing to acknowledge, you know, past behavior not being yeah. oh, definitely good. So just in case, you know, open open mic nights in South Dakota, listen. We're Yeah. Open your doors for change, you know? Like open your minds. Yeah. And, and know that people yeah. can change. Right. But also, again, the the work that you brought forth today, like I'm I'm really excited to hear it, especially the the first one about loving and what I at least from what I was able to listen to on the on each of the poems, they felt very heartfelt. And so in in a lot of prior episodes, I know I've had, um, you know, there's been inspiration, there's been um, mental illness getting discussed. Yeah, but I feel like there was definitely I feel like, I don't know, like that heartfelt feeling, especially very appropriate for our Pride episode is just. Yeah. And so I wanted to learn more of what inspired your poetry, specifically loving. I will say that's the first one, first one you read and the first one that spoke out to me. What inspired yeah. that? I'm the kind of person who has like a really big heart. Like I, I love too hard. I fall really fast. And this has been like evident in my current relationship and like past relationships. And in some points in my life, my big heart has caused an issue and people see that I get really attached really fast and they kind of cower away. And so I've learned to kind of like pull it back a little, set boundaries with myself even, as well as the person who does not want the affection. Because I remember, cause like, so I'm also like on top of like having a big heart, I'm like a big hugger like i have physical affection i love giving hugs and there was this one time like at work this girl she was having a really really bad day and i went to go in for a hug and she reared back like she was like rejecting me and i'm like in that moment i was like oh shit i have too big of a heart i need to boundaries and so i kind of took all these emotions from like different scenarios similar to that and put them into this poem because i know there are other people who have who share too much affection or have too big of a heart and kind of like having that embodiment in spoken word. I I, I just want to mention like, yeah, like you mentioned that you, you have a big heart. Uh, again, that speaks to why the poems are so <laughs> heartfelt as some I, I'm so I'm the total opposite side of the spectrum. I am very like non-affectionate physically. Like, I've, no, I, ha- I have my my people that I can yeah. be affectionate towards. And even then it's like, yeah, but like time frames <laughs> limit, you know? So, yeah. I do, I also want to say, first of all, you are never too much. It just, you know, depends on the person, but you are not too much. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm very, I'm very glad that writing has been able to be that kind of, I guess, outlet in a way of being able to express all that, that affection and love that you have inside yourself and also how you, how you may even struggle with it. So I wanted to also ask, so I know you've been writing for quite some time. Can you speak more on to what inspired you to start writing? Um, okay, so I've been writing probably 13. Uh, hold on. I literally have like a pinpoint date. It was like, I had to have been like 7th or 8th grade when I started really, really writing. Uh, so it was like, that was 13 years ago. I've been writing for 13 years. <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid and I can't believe I'm reading this. You know the show Glee? Yes. Glee and Spy- my, my, best, my best friend at the time, she was writing Glee fanfiction. 
And I was like, I want to write Glee fan fiction. And so that's kind of what inspired me to um, start writing. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I can say, I, I can tell you this without any like regrets. I am proud of this. I have been, I'm still writing fan fiction to this day. I have been writing fan fiction for 13 years straight. And it is, I'm, I love it so much. Cause that's what actually what inspires me the most that gets me going is just writing fan fiction. What's the, what's the fandom that you're writing fan fiction for now, if you don't mind sharing? I'm currently writing, hold on, I gotta count. I'm writing eight or nine fan fictions between three different fandoms. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marvel. I have three in Marvel. Okay. Stranger Things. I have three in Stranger Things. That one I expected 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And it's so funny when I tell people that I write fan fiction for this other fandom, they're always really surprised because they don't think there's a demand for it, but there really is. But Criminal Minds. Really? Yeah. I have three of them in Criminal Minds. Oh my gosh. That is... Oh, no, wait. I have, I have four of them in Marvel, actually. I forgot one. Oh my gosh. I would have never thought. Yeah, no one ever guesses that one. Like, I was on the phone. I was on the phone with, like, my best friend. Uh-huh. And they were, like, they were, we're talking about fan fiction. And their roommate was with them, who also, who does, like, fan art for different stuff. And I mentioned that I wrote fan fiction for Criminal Minds. And they're, like, wait, really? Yeah. Like, they knew, like, like my friend, my friend Randy knew that I loved the show. Like, we both loved it. Like, we swatched it together. But, yeah, they were really surprised that I wrote Criminal Minds fan fiction, there's actually a demand for it. Like, it's big on Tumblr. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I would have never <laughs> thought, you know, and this sounds kind of silly, but that gets me thinking of, like, what other fan fiction is there that, of of these shows that I would, yeah. I guess, never thought they would have fan fiction, but that's really because I really didn't bother to look. Yeah, no, if you've ever wondered, just look for it. Go on AO3. There's bound to be something. Oh my gosh. AO3. I remember I used to. I, <laughs> this might be really taboo of me to say as a fanfiction writer. I hate AO3 so much. <gasps> I, I, the reason why I don't like how I don't, I have a really, I'm kind of nitpicky about website designs. Oh, okay. And I hate the design of AO3. It's, yeah. I was a, I was a Wattpad slut in high school. I loved Wattpad. Now I can't even go on there without physically dying inside. Oh my God. I, I used to be the fanfiction.net kid. And <gasps> I forgot about fanfiction.net. Yes, that was like my whole thing. And then, you know, the fruit categories and stuff. <laughs> and I, I, so fun fact. So when I, um, I got chicken pox when I was a kid and my comfort shows were Nancy Classified and Shaolin Showdown. Nancy Classified was just really what was playing right before Shaolin Showdown. Right. So I was like, I'll just watch it okay. until I get there. And Shaolin Showdown on Cartoon Network was like my favorite thing in the whole world. And then I started looking up fan fiction for it. And I was so hurt because on fanfiction.net, I couldn't find a, a proper like novel length type of really intense. So, you know, those really good fan fictions that just keep you on the edge of your seat. Kind of like, yes, I want more. I read, a, I read a small one last night that was really, really good. Was it? Yeah. What fandom was it? It was Criminal Minds. Oh. <laughs> I am gonna. It was it was a one it was a one shot, but it was like seventeen k words, so it was lengthy. Oh, there was this one. Um, I used to, and I also used to be um really big into Homestead. There was one. This one. Oh, of course you were. Listen. Of course you were. Of course. I avoided Homestead like the freaking plague. <laughs> Listen, I thought I was a child. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was okay. I did. I did super duper love Homestuck until I was like what, like twenty twenty one or something, and then I shifted into Marvel. But okay. Yeah, and even in my like early early twenties, I was already like, there's so much I would want to fix and like change out of everything. But yeah, there was this one that I honestly always recommend it, whether or not you're into Homestuck. It's called The Other Side of the Heart. Oh, I've heard of that one. Oh my god, I remember when the last the last chapter was going live, and I was. I was I was crying. I called I called my friends crying on on that last one. But anyway, yes, fan fiction is just yeah. Anyway, if anybody has uh recommendations on Shallon Showdown fan fiction, it may be, you know, 13, 14 years after the fact, and I'll still read it. <laughs> oh, I should mention that like in the 13 years, I've probably written for over like maybe 20 different fandoms. And I have well over 30 different fan fictions that I've written in my arsenal. A lot of them are deleted and gone <laughs> because they, I was actually very shameful of them. They were bad. They were okay. They were actually terrible. Let me tell you one more thing, though. Yeah. In high school, I was writing One Direction fan fiction, and I didn't have, like, a proper computer to, like, share it on. Like, I just had a computer with no internet. And so I would type out these chapters. And this was, like, self-insert fan fiction. It was, like, my best friends and I. And I would print out these pages. And I would share them with, I would give them to them so they could read it at school without using their phone or a laptop or something. Back in our day when that, when having one of those was less common and you would get into a lot more trouble for having it out. Yeah. Yeah. I was literally psychotic. I was obsessed with writing fan fiction. I still am. I mean, I don't blame you. First of all, like, I, I know there's a whole... And the, and this this is kind of like one of one of my little interests that I've I've tried kind of shutting aside. But the history of fan fiction is so very interesting, and the works that have oh come my God. from fan fiction have been phenomenal. Yeah. So one of my like like the history of it is so weird because like when I first started reading fan fiction, I was reading Beatles fan fiction. I didn't even know that was a thing. See. <laughs> guess what i wrote it too oh my god not much but i did i was i don't know i was obsessed with the beatles in middle school but here's the thing on one that i read one day someone in their columns was like i wonder how many girls wrote beatles fan fiction when like when the beatles were actually like yes like performing i'm like oh my god that's so weird to think about yeah and 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 the thing is so i understand <sighs> when you're when you're an author and you're creating like your own original work and everything which is a whole other discussion because you know oh definitely work yeah work being original like everything is always derivative of something that's what i always think at least right it's always inspired by something but anyway oh absolutely when you're writing specifically stuff that is like your your own world like your own imagination and stuff I know that there's always this reservation of like, you know, they're your children. You don't want anybody else to mess around with them and do anything wrong with them. Exactly. Um, and then there's also for um, works of, of especially of fiction that are ongoing. You don't want to receive any fan uh, fan fiction because you don't want that to influence the work and potentially cause an actual like legal copyright issue. So I get that part. But right when it comes to like yeah. finished works overall, I always found it really weird when authors got really defensive about it because like it's not affecting your work whatsoever it's not like you know people are still writing people people are taking your your imagination and they're saying hey that's good let me you know like plato isn't suing kids for making sculptures with plato you know 
Like, let them right. just do right. their thing. You've heard of a uh, whole Anne Rice debacle, right? Oh, yes. Everyone who writes fan fiction have heard of the, has heard of the Anne Rice debacle. That was so freaking wild. God. So just to give a little bit of background then for our listeners who may not know, do you want to yes. go explain a little bit? So, okay, I'm not going to like taking in information and relaying it, but like basically what was happening was people were like creating fan fiction based off of like Anne Rice stories and she was getting all butthurt about it and was like suing everyone uh, because it wasn't their work, it was her work. So she's kind of the reason why people now, when they write fan fiction, they, in their, in their description, they write, I do not own these characters or this story or like this franchise. And so, yeah, no, she just got really, she just got a little butthurt over people writing fan fiction and made it everyone's problem. Which is exact, and that's so, to me, that just blows my mind because like that it's not a new thing. Fan fiction has existed for so freaking long. So freaking long. Like if you think about, if you think about it, the Bible is fan fiction. That's, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to touch on that topic too much because I know there's a lot of, of, of controversy around it, but I have thought of that, of like, yeah. even within itself, you know, it's derivative yeah. of itself yeah. in a way. It's just like, yeah. but, but yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. Yeah, it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but that is something that is, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like it should be way more normalized. And I'm actually, I'm glad that it's a lot more normalized now than it was when I was a kid. Cause I remember like you, I used to write a lot of fan fiction. I don't even remember all the fandoms that I used to write fan fiction for. I just know that I liked writing. These were characters that were, you know, I was already familiar with. So let's do some writing. And I used to do the same thing. I used to write like a bunch of stories and stuff. And I used to pass them around to my friends, but I would write it in an actual physical notebook. And I would <laughs> pass it around to my friends at like lunchtime and stuff so that they could read it. And they would give me like critiques and stuff they would like to see the characters do or whatever. And I'd see how I can work that into the story. And that to me was a great creative writing exercise because yeah, because of that, because I was already familiar with with the story. Exactly. That's how exactly how I view like fan fiction is. It's like this is creative writing pro- like practice. Like I already have a plot, or I already have characters. I already have setting. I just need to write the story and give the characters dialogue. And on the occasion, add a new character because I love I love character building. Yes. And I love having OCs for all of my all my fan fictions that I write. Here's another thing: I don't post any of my fan fiction. I just keep it and reread it. Because no, not many people are really into, like, OC work nowadays. They, they all, like, most people, like, self-inserts, which is a little, like, disheartening. But, like, it is what it is. I I get, I started seeing that. So when I, I got into, I wanted to explore more into fan fiction recently. And I, when I started looking into it, it was a lot of, like, like that, like, self-insert your name with X character, you know, yeah. kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, I, I mean, I, I get it. But I miss the days of like, I want, I don't want to be in the fan fiction. I want to read it and see what the other right. characters are doing, you know? So I'm so glad that we're connecting about fan fiction because I have, I have been, uh, I uh, guilt, guilty right now, but um, I don't know if you've seen the Mario lore uh, TikTok videos. Oh my God. From Love Bunny Cosplay and Dino Graveyard. I've seen... I've seen a couple of them. So I got, I went into a whole rabbit hole. I couldn't sleep one night and I went through a whole rabbit hole and went through the entire, their whole playlist, every season and episode. 
Oh my god. And I got so into it, I actually start I wrote like a little intro to what I wanted to be like a full-fledged fan fiction, but I wanted to see if, you know, I still had it in a way, and I wrote Mario Laura yeah. fan fiction. And what is hilarious about it is that I I wrote the Mario the Mario Lore fan fiction. I didn't post very much about it, just like a, a brief preview of it on on Twitter. And a few months later, they came out with a TikTok episode updating the Mario Lore that followed very similarly the plot that I was going for. <gasps> Shut up. Okay, I have a thing about that. I've written parts of my fan like different fan fictions. Yeah. And they've actually happened in real life or actually in media. Oh my god. No, I... I take that as a compliment. It's scary. It's scary. No, actually, well, one of them actually was actually terrible because I was writing Daredevil fanfiction. And, of course, my character is blinded one eye from a chemical burn. Right. And literally, two, like, three to two months after writing that, I lost all the eyesight in my right eye. Oh, my God. Okay, that would creep me out, yeah? That would freak me out. And so then I also wrote my, I also have Bucky Barnes fanfiction because <laughs> who would have guessed? <laughs> Like, yeah and my oc my oc she's demigod so she's she's um her dad is the primordial god uh hypnos which you don't really see but i'm like oh, i'm just gonna run with it and so i i essentially made this this like base where gods could connect okay. and then so many months later love thor love and thunder comes out <gasps> and we get um uh omnipotent city which is essentially what i created and in my Stranger Things fanfiction, I write a whole D&D campaign. I can't write a D&D campaign for crap in real life. However, I did for a, I did for fanfiction, and it turned out so cool. I feel you on that. I can't, like, I have tried. I, I, have, I have really, really tried writing uh, a campaign. And those who have played a campaign with me will probably say, no, you're great at it. It was so draining. And it had, I, there was so much effort. <laughs> I could never do a campaign. <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't DM ever. But I wrote this campaign and like one of the monsters that I put in there was a bat-like creature. And this was before volume two of Stranger Things season four came out. Uh-huh. So we didn't know anything. So spoiler, if you haven't watched the last two episodes of Stranger Things, the bats, you know, rip Eddie to shreds. And I had essentially written that in, but with a different character. Oh. Or, yeah, no, he had died by a bat-like creature. But then comes back. So uh, if if Eddie comes back, season five, I called it. I called it. <laughs> for for additional context for somebody who who may not be familiar, OC is original character. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, and I mean, in case it wasn't clear, um, fan fiction is is exactly that. You take a work of existing fiction and you write your own story with those characters, setting mm-hmm. whatever. Um, you can add your own personal twist. It's really no no wrong way to do fan fiction although some people might no. disagree but there are some like like uh i feel like writing like real people into fan fiction so like like uh i used to write <laughs> i used to write ed sheeran fan fiction like that can sometimes be seen it's fine as long as you're not like doing something super exploitive yeah 
like because they're they're human beings these aren't characters these are human beings that was and that was um when i was really into supernatural at one point and doctor who i found it really difficult to read those fan fictions because i saw a lot of um behind the scenes of like supernatural and doctor who and all that stuff right it was yeah it was difficult for me to envision them as just characters i was seeing them as you know as human beings who were acting the characters so when i read the fan fiction that's what i saw and it was difficult for me to be okay with it in a way because like to me is to makes sense yeah and so that's why like for me fan fiction based um of uh characters that are not a cartoon basically like marvel is a little bit different for me because marvel is like you have such a long history of comic books you know that was easier yeah and there's so much backstory to everything and so many characters. And so many AUs. AUs alternate universes and <laughs> Yeah. There's like like there, yeah, there's there's different, you know, like how in the Marvel Universe there's different Earths. So like Earth six one six. Oh my god. Earth yes. uh, there was so there was Miss Marvel and Imani Volani, six is her name. She was in an interview and she's like, everyone thinks that the MCU Earth is Earth six one six. And it's actually a different one. I can't remember which one she said it. It was like a long string of numbers. It was like zero 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 or like nine ninety nine ninety nine or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But it's crazy because they actually address they'll be addressing that in the upcoming uh, Spider Verse movie, Ooh. which Earth is actually being used for different Spider Man. Yes, I saw I saw some of the trailers and like the part of the trailer of it. Yeah, excited. because Spider uh, Oscar Isaac Spider Man calls out Tom Holland Spider Man. Okay, I didn't know that part. Oh my god yeah yeah he does i'm really excited yeah oh um, universes and fandoms and stuff is so freaking cool to me yeah so okay so that's why I, that's why i got into homestuck <laughs> because you have all these like the dream bubbles and the dream selves and and the um yeah the, the alternate timelines and universes and jay, everything yes jay i've gone so long without knowing anything about homestuck listen I prefer to keep that straight. <laughs> I just, I, only thing I know about is Dave. That is it. And that's where I'll keep it. I don't know if you're going to be able to keep that with me around, especially considering how into it I was at one point. Listen, I used, I, I cosplayed as um, Homestuck and that was the one and only cosplay that I did or tried to do semi-seriously. I have done two cosplays in my life. And one was a closet cook. Almost like a casual closet cosplay. Tongue twister. I did Pidge from Voltron. And then I managed to find everything that I needed for Castiel at Savers. Oh my god, no way. Under 30 bucks. No way. I So I have a a trench coat hanging on the back of my door right now. And I haven't seen that. I cannot believe this. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I have a picture of it somewhere. I'll find it. But yeah, I'll send it to you later. Yes, please. So... At least for me, when I when my writing somehow ends up in the story, especially because I know that they had not seen my tweet until much after the fact, because they had right. uh, they had left Twitter and stuff for a while. They were like doing their recordings and stuff, and then it wasn't until like several months after that I saw one of them like my tweet, and that that I to me that that's like a compliment because like okay, so I am like on the right track in terms of characterization. Like it makes sense because the people who are yeah. playing these characters literally can't see their characters do this. Okay. Right. So bonding over over <laughs> fan fiction. I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I kind of circling back for when you started writing, did you did any particular story, like anything that you can recall that 
um, specifically was what made it click for you? Like, oh, okay, I can definitely, um, like, this is it for yes. me. Like, like a story that I wrote? Yeah, um, like, so what something that inspired uh, maybe something you either read today or have written or something, um, but, like, what what story, poetry, or writing kind of made that click for you that's like, oh, I need to write about this now? So I actually still have a... So, okay, so in eighth grade, when I... While I was writing fan fiction, I was also writing my own novel, which ended up being terrible. But one of the stories that inspired me is this book called Distant Waves. I could not tell you off the top of my head who the author is, um, but essentially it's about these this family, and um, it's set around the time it's set at the time of the Titanic, and how one of the two of the siblings are twins, and they show like a telepathic bond, and the i think it's like the second oldest daughter she's like really into science and inventions and she meets this really sweet scientist and he's like an intern for nicholas tesla and so they're all on the titanic together and there's this time machine and she ends up like back home on dry land after hearing that everyone on the ship died and i, I don't remember like all the details of this book because it's like a long it's been a long since i've read it written uh read it but I read that book over and over and over and over again. And I'm like, I, I love paranormal, like paranormal types of stories. Because there's also some, like, some like, paranormal um, attributes to it and science and romance. And like, those are like all my three favorite things to find in, in books. So I'm like, I'm going to write a paranormal story about these twins and how they're telepathic. And I was, and honestly, I was basically ripping off the entire book that I just read. But it got me started into writing nonfiction as well, um, besides fan fiction. And I later on went to try and write more like horror themed, paranormal themed. I just never clicked until, and then I just started writing like contemporary, like adult romance. And that's actually my, probably been my biggest project. And I've stopped it, revived it so many times. <clears throat> it's been probably like three or four to five, five or six years since I've actually looked at it. And I actually looked at it for the first time since then about three weeks ago and i'm thinking of reviving it again but i'm also working on a series of short stories oh. that are kind of science fiction listen so november uh <laughs> uh nanoremo uh, national novel writing month doesn't have to happen in november absolutely you're, you're totally so, right i was listen i can't do nanoremo i can't do it i feel pressured yeah i feel so pressured like i can't do it I was, I, there, was, there was one novel that I kind of want to get back into that I was going to write about this. It was kind of uh, about, I think it was set in like a college and it was like this cellist and this scientist who were like always butting heads. And it was very much an enemies to lovers. I love enemies to lovers and I'm such a sucker for it. Oh, and that, oh, I'm sorry. And you were going to write that story and there's, there's a reason why you stopped? Like that is right up my I alley. Just wasn't- I wasn't vibing with it. Like I got like one chapter and I'm like, this ain't it and ditched it. Um, <laughs> um if I end up writing a J, I'll dedicate it to you. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 like that is so up my alley. Literally, that is literally like oh, I love especially enemies to lovers, like when I when I was really into writing, especially homestuck fan fiction, that was my jam. Enemies to lovers, that was my jam. Yeah. I my current one of my one of my current Stranger Things fanfiction is a 30 or chapter 33, Steve Harrington, Enemies to Lovers. Okay. Okay. I yeah. okay. It's it's actually the only one I've ever shared. 
Okay. So if you're interested, it's unfinished. But if you're interested, I'll send you a link. Listen, so I, you're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get so mad at me. So I have only ever seen like two episodes of Stranger Things. (laughs) I, (laughs) I have not seen enough of Stranger Things to uh, know the full plot. Like I know the basics. I've seen enough spoilers and everything that like, I know what's going on in it, but I, I know that sitting down and watching it is a whole different experience. Never seen you. You've never seen season three. I've because that's an important season. I, <laughs> is that the one where what's that guy's name shows up? Oh shoot, what was his name? There's a lot of guys in that show. <laughs> I know. Listen, this is specifically this. The reason why the season is so important because we is we get Joe Curie or uh, um, Steve Harrington and those short ass sailor shorts. <laughs> his thighs look great in them. I'm so young. I'm so glad the podcast is labeled as explicit. <laughs> Listen, if you have kids in your car or something, I, this is not for I should have made sure that was okay to say, but I'm glad it's already labeled as explicit. <laughs> Just laughing. It's, a, it's important specifically because of the sailor short show. Because of the sailor, not because of like one of the antagonist's death. No, <laughs> definitely not. It's all about the sailor shorts. Oh my gosh. Um, so, see, now I have to I will take every it. moment I can to thirst over that man. And Joseph <laughs> Quinn, obviously. Oh my gosh. Jesus. And, and so, and what actually got me into starting to watch uh, straight, because the thing is, so I like to watch TV shows and, and shows in general that are, um, they, 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 sh- for me, I don't want them to need my focus constantly because I've usually played them in the background. But Stranger Things, when I saw it, I was like, this is a really, really good show that I have to focus on when I watch it. So yeah. I can't watch it. <laughs> I, I, uh, when I first watched season four, like I didn't, I barely, I only looked at my phone to record my reaction to things as we watched it because my best friend was also watching it. And I wanted her to like, like, like we were gonna watch it together, but we just couldn't. So I'm like, I need you to experience like all my thoughts. This movie, and this the show, and it was so. Oh God, the last part of the season when everything happens, I was like a saw. I actually have a TikTok of me before and after volume two of season four. I don't know. I, I was. A, I think I saw that one. I'm not 100 percent sure, but oh my God. Yeah, no, I've I've, yeah. I've just I've 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 heard so much like so many great things about Stranger. Like I have not heard a single bad thing about the show. So now I don't know. I I I have to sit down and watch it. I mean, I have the time now. So you have to. <laughs> I literally I, ha- I have a shrine in my living room. Oh Jay. my god, it's serious. <laughs> I literally I have two tape. I have two tapestries in my hall. One in my hall and one in my living room. And then I have a shrine. And I've got like one two three four different eddie figurines oh my god so it, this is as well it's serious <laughs> and i've probably watched i've watched the whole show probably not even exaggerating a million times i feel like i'm so i'm like that with the office emma, <laughs> emma <laughs> i can't stay in the office what i can't do it i i keep trying to like i like there's some good parts of it like i've watched okay, like clips fair. of it yeah. that are just so funny but like i I just, I sit down, I try to watch it front to back, and I just cannot stand it. I love Steve Carell. Great actor. Cannot stand Michael Scott. Save my life. Can I, can I give a suggestion on watching it? So, and this is a suggestion that anybody who watches The Office will probably be familiar with. But, so, I have a few theories, and I'm gonna, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna unload a few theories here. Oh, no, go for it. When you, when you watch The Office, 
um, season one is when they were trying really, really hard to be like The Office UK. And so one of the key things that they... Oh. Yeah. And so one of the key things that they that they try to emulate is that really sort of dry humor that is very popular in the UK, but not in the US. And that's why season one is kind of slow and a lot of people don't like it. Yeah. And so season two is actually when they really start saying like, oh, The Office US is its own thing. It's not like The Office UK. At least not exactly. Yeah. And so that's when they start appealing a bit more to the U.S. audiences where in the U.S. they, uh, you know, we tend to like more lighthearted type of comedy um, and we like happy endings. We oh, don't we do. want We don't want the characters to, yeah. uh, after they try everything, we don't want them to fail. We want, we root for them. Right. So right. that's when they start kind of growing into their own characters. Season two is when you start seeing that, you know, that growth. Season three, I think the end of season two and the beginning of season three is when you really see like, okay, now it's for sure, for sure its own thing. It's a lot more lighthearted. Um, it, it definitely does not take itself seriously. Like it pokes fun at itself and everything. It's, it's, it's that, and that's why, that's what I like about it. And then the one thing that really has helped me when I, because I've rewatched it a billion times, like, oh my God, it is my comfort <laughs> show. I fall asleep watching that show. Is when you watch the show, but don't watch it in the point of view of Michael Scott, watch it as if Dwight is the protagonist. And when you watch it as if, oh my God. Because Dwight is the only oh character God, yeah. that shows up in every single episode. So my argument here is that Dwight. Oh my God. Dwight is actually the protagonist of um, The Office because it starts with, uh, you know, yeah, it's Jim and Michael Scott in their office and all that stuff. Um, but then it's Dwight, you know, the camera is on Dwight unpacking and like doing his his whole thing with um, with the paper shredder and then and singing little drummer boy which just so happens to be angela's favorite song and later you know they get together and then it ends with dwight and angela getting married and dwight getting everything that he wanted from the beginning of the show so the show culminates with dwight get you know achieving his what makes him ultimately the happiest so that's why i think he's the protagonist we're just the audience watching his journey oh my god yeah yeah that's a, that changes everything. So yeah, so like it, honestly, you can skip season one. It's you're really not going to miss very much from it. Go straight to season two, um, and then from season two, just think of it from that. It's Dwight's perspective. It's Dwight's journey from going into like oh my this gosh. kind of goofy, kind of uh, you know, clearly not neurotypical person, and becoming oh, oh, yeah, man, and becoming his own he leader and everything. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, yeah, so try it that way, and I will watch uh, uh, Stranger Things, and then that is wild. I have listen. I have so many theories about The Office. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I, if I watch it, I'll text you periodically. Like, okay, it's about yes, this. yes. I also have like I have listen. Right now, I'm playing with a, a deck of cards with like The Office people's faces on it. Like, I love <laughs> The Office. But yeah, so uh, circling back to your writing. I know you uh, You had mentioned when you first submitted to um, speak on the podcast that songs from uh, Son, Son Lux, I might be mispronouncing that. Yes, Son Lux. Yes, I wanted to know if any of the poetry that you read today was inspired by Son Lux, and if so, which one? So, no, none of the poetry. Um, it was the novel that I mentioned that I had worked on back and forth. Originally, it was called Lost to Trying, which was a song called by or a song by Sonlux. 
And then I change it to Changes Everything, which is another song by Song Lux. Two of my favorite songs of all time. No joke. And the premise of the story was that my main character, Quincy, she was leaving a heavily abusive relationship and she meets this guy and like her whole world just kind of shifts over to like a whole different like vibe and she's learning how to adapt to a new like different like new changes and this new group of friends as well as like keeping her current friends and it's weird i i, I visualize things weirdly like story really so like i visualize changes everything as a in the shape of a like a venn diagram almost so it's like she's on one side of the venn diagram for a little while and there are these constant things that are keeping constant in the middle but then she shifts over to the other side which has a lot of different things so she has like a like a a school like she changes her major she changes her job she starts doing new things all because of this this guy that she met and how much like she he came at into her life at like the perfect time at the time that's how i wanted this to go but i'm like this is too straight for me i need to change it (laughs) so so i i tried to rework it and it ultimately failed so i think i'm just gonna have and i i think i'm gonna try and reroute it to a was in a relationship with a guy for the longest time, met a girl who changed changed her viewpoint on things, who she ends up dating. And it's going to have a happy ending, I promise. Because I'm sick and tired of gay love stories ending in tragedy. Oh my god, yes. I So, I and, and I, I do have also strong opinions about that as also uh a, like as a transgender person who is also in a in in a same same i guess same sex i guess same sex i don't know but anyway um basically not straight not cis that's that's essentially it yeah okay but <laughs> uh but that's one thing that i struggle with in in reading and watching stuff about gay representation is exactly that first of all it's always a love story, which it's fine. You know, it's not, that's, that's fine, but it's, it's always a love story, but I'm like a sucker for love stories. Yeah. But, um, but like, to me, it's like, I want, like, I don't know. I want to be able to watch like a TV show about knights fighting. And then, you know, it's one of them is a trans guy and it's not called attention to, it's literally just, you know, as they're changing, you see a binder or something and then they, and nobody acknowledges it and they just move on. And that to me, that would be ideal. But on the other hand, like you said, love stories are really good. And I am unfortunately a sucker for angst. So (laughs) I love a good angst. I am. Oh, there's definitely going to be angst in it. Like I've, I, I do this thing. I'm when I, when I write novels and I've written, I've tried writing a couple. Um, I don't like set it up. Like I don't like I don't like rough drafts like how the plot's gonna go. I just write, and I also do this with fan fiction. I don't write chapter by chapter. I think like my my Steve Harrington fan fiction chapter like chapter by chapter like the first chapter by chapter I've done since like 2011. Um, I just write little scenarios. So like I have a Bucky Barnes scenario where like my OC um, Penelope she's like doing work late at night in the compound and Bucky just walks in I have another one where she is meditating with Wanda and they discover she has um, she can oh, what's it called like do like the whole out of body thing okay. and it, in that same scenario they discover that she's a demigod and I have scenarios in my daredevil one where my OC Lennon is found on a rooftop crying 
And I, it's just, I, I prefer, I like having like different scenarios with different characters rather than just writing chapter by chapter. Because up until now, I wasn't very good at like filling in certain plot holes. Like, I just like having all these different plots. Yeah. Which is why like I'm writing short story, like I'm writing a series of short stories that all have like same theme, but different plots and different scenarios. And it's really cool. So if somebody were to um, want to get started on writing fan fiction, what are some tips that you would suggest or wish that you knew earlier when you started your writing? Read a lot of fan fiction. Read a lot of fan fiction. And there's no right or wrong way to tell if fan fiction is good or not. It's basically based on your on your perception. If you're reading a, if you're reading fan fiction and you're reading a character dialogue and you're like, oh, this is exactly how this character behaves, like I would say that's a good fan fiction. But if they don't do it, that's fine. That's just how like the other person kind of wrote that character. Wikipedia, like character Wikipedia is like your best friend. Yes. That if you need to know like details about your fanfiction characters, would fandom Wikipedia. That's just the route to go. Like I use that. I use fandom Wikipedia's constantly. I have multiple bookmarks. If if you have if you're writing for like fandom like Marvel, if you have money to spend, like get some lore books. Like there are plenty of Marvel lore books. Uh, there's one I have in my cart right now for Bucky Barnes that I plan to get soon. And it's all about like Bucky Barnes and his history and his past and his family. If you want to go that deep into fan fiction writing, otherwise just follow your heart, write what you feel is best. If it's bad, that's okay. Everyone, no one's a, this might hurt some people to hear, but no one's a perfect writer off the bat. That's mostly a jab at myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're absolutely right. Because yeah. Fun story. When I was a kid, I was like, what, maybe 12, 13 or something. I don't know. I wrote a good chunk of what I thought was going to be my first novel. And just to give you an idea of um, how glad I am that that got actually deleted after I accidentally put a virus on the computer. (laughs) (laughs) Happens to the best of us. The protagonist's name was called Raven and she was an oracle and special and had long, dark (laughs) hair. And yeah, so... This sounds like uh, the My Immortal Harry Potter fanfiction. <laughs> yes! You have no idea what a personal attack I felt when I read that, you know, Raven Dementia way. Oh my god. But yeah, no, and so, and that's not that's not to say that if your character has those features or anything, it's bad. It's right. just, no, back right. then, you know, it's, it's, it's such a trope that, yeah, trope. so... And that coming from like somebody, at least in my case, you know, I was entering puberty. I, you know, I, I was all sad and depressed and stuff and angsty and whatever. So of course I was going to write about this heroine that was also dark and angsty and mysterious and all that. Right. We all have to start somewhere. Exactly. And, and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Exactly. I guess, uh, personally, one of my biggest takeaways so far is, first of all, have the courage to write, just write, just do it. Yeah, have the courage to write. You you don't have to share it. You don't have to share with anyone. Don't feel pressured to. Although I'm just saying, if just you do, do feel like sharing, we are still accepting volunteers for the podcast if you'd like to guest on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can always feel free to email epigraphcast at gmail.com if you do feel like sharing your work. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be anything super fancy. You know, it's it, this is it's it's an open mic is to share what you got whatever you bring to the table whatever you write it's okay and then uh so 
one more thing I did want to cover. And going back a bit more to how how heartfelt your poetry is. So when it comes to writing your poetry, and I know you you mentioned a lot that you're um, really into romance and all that. Uh, do you right? Do you feel that the uh, identifying as LGBTQ plus comes into play when you write about all these heartfelt emotions that you have? And if so, how do they come into play? Yes. How? I'm not really sure. Because like, I'm so like, I don't know how to answer the question because like, I've, while being LGBTQ, I don't, I'm not like attracted to gender per se. I'm more to people. I'm pansexual. I identify as pansexual. And so like the, it's, Gender has never really had a part in it, except for like the one time I mentioned the first girl that I fell in love with. So it doesn't really contribute really to my writing much, actually. Okay. I don't know. That's the best way I can I can answer that question. I mean, so one thing that I I can really relate to that part in particular because I had a similar experience when I write. Because I've when I write, I write about whatever relationship is there. You know, I don't really care if if uh, it's uh, guy girl non-binary whoever whatever like it's fine right. i just i i just write and whatever feels right to write <laughs> exactly yeah whatever feels right to write so i but the the fact of the matter is even though it it may not necessarily come into play directly it is um you know you are still a representation of the community of of the right you know just the fact just the fact that you're writing in and of itself you know right and like well well none of the works i share today really reflect like much of me being non-binary and pansexual like i have written in the past about falling in love with someone who's not the same like who's either the same same gender as me or another female i don't know how to like word that properly but who's not or someone who's not even who's like who's not straight or not cis but like none of that work is like worth being put out anymore because it's not good or it just needs to be reworked so yeah but i always but even but like i think i have more representation of my of of being lgbtq in my fiction like my actual fiction work rather than my poetry okay yeah which i didn't i didn't share any fiction work today (laughs) hey uh listen if you if you do end up wanting to share your fiction work uh just hit me up we can set up another episode because i have ideas and i would love for you to be a part of them so Uh, all right absolutely um well yeah so uh and then before we wrap up did you have anything else you wanted to add anything you wanted to share when it comes to writing there's no rules just follow your heart that's one thing I've had to learn over the years, and no one really told me that. And so I feel like it's my duty to tell anyone else who's listening. Just, there's no right way. Follow your heart. I love that. It's a great encouragement, especially to um, to people who are just starting out and don't know where to start. Just do it. Pen to paper, yeah. let's go. Do it. In the, words of, in the words of Shia LaBeouf, don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Benedict. Lovely to be on your podcast and to chat with you. Again, thank you everybody for listening. Really looking forward to uh hearing more about your work and yeah, looking forward to chatting with you again. Uh and thank you for uh this wonderful episode for our Pride episode. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm excited. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to Epigraph Chapter 4. This episode was edited by the phenomenal sound gremlin, Celia. Follow us on social media and join our Discord. You can find all our contact information at epigraphcast.carrd.co. That is epigraph, E-P-I-G-R-A-P-H, cast, C-A-S-T, dot card, dot co. If you want to join in the fun as a guest, send in your volunteer form or contact us at epigraphcast at gmail.com. Epigraph releases the last Wednesday of each month, so look forward to Chapter 5. Once again, I'm Jay, and I'm your email spam folder, and happy Pride Month.